Welcome to the Swifterhood Podcast. A podcast all about Taylor Swift and her lyrical genius. Whether you've known since her debut album that she's had a place in this world, or her folklore has become your evermore recently, we're here to faithfully and wholeheartedly deconstruct each song lyric by lyric. Hello. Good to see you, Erin. Hey, Morgan. How's it going? Oh, wonderful. Wait, wait. Uh, I have a question. What? Are you perfectly fine? Or do you need to calm down? <laughs> Did you pre- prep those, Erin? No. <laughs> those just came to you at the moment? Uh-huh. I'm totally organic. I am perfectly fine. Okay. Um, don't need to calm down because I've had a day to digest uh, um, Taylor's re-record release of Fearless, and I just love every single minute and second of that album. What is crazy is that for us, the album was just released because it's like two days later, but for the listener, hello, listener. Hello, listener. You're listening on the 20th, this episode will come out, so you will have had a lot more time to process than we have. That's true. And I just have to say, it was super appropriate driving over here in the rain, um, looking at the glow off the pavement as I pulled into your your lot. And I'm just super excited to be here talking about the first song, Fearless. Yay, me too. So yeah, this episode is second official one, and we are going to talk about Fearless and Mr. Perfectly Fine. So to start out, um, like you have heard in the previous episode, and if you did listen to our intro episode, we are starting with a fearless feature. And today, I just wanted to go into um, a little bit about what my passion is, which is criminal justice reform. What reform would you like to see? That is a, a very heavy and deep question, because in my mind, I think um the criminal justice system, at least the American criminal justice system, is probably uh, needs more reform than not. Um, but I think if you look at, I think besides the systemic racism that comes in um, the the people that are charged with crimes, I think the biggest thing that needs to be reformed is the power that prosecutors have in um, bringing charges against people. Uh, the amount of power they hold in charging decisions so they can make the the determination of whether someone be tra- should be charged with one offense versus five, or um, then they can make the decision whether they want to reduce those charges as you go forward, and they hold pretty much all of the power. So that means that an individual is making, one individual is making a decision on behalf of someone's life, and it's whether they, what their experiences have been to lead them to that place. and someone's life is in their hands. So if you get a prosecutor who who doesn't take the time to learn about the person being charged or listen to the defense attorney or um, someone that is innately racist or someone that has had um, specific um, issues in their life that have brought them to where they are, they have bias, very evident and clear bias, and um, it can just, it can completely ruin someone's life. So if there was one major reform, it would be um, it would be trying to get more like minded people in the prosecutor's office around the around the states. And there are a lot of people that are doing that work wholeheartedly right now. 
So if there's an organization that you want to shout out, what would that be? Um, I'd probably say the National Association of Public Defense. Um, Check out their website. We are a big organization that is working really hard in bringing dignity back to um, bringing dignity back to people that are charged with crimes uh, because there's an immediate reaction when people hear that you're charged with someone that you're automatically guilty of that offense. And that needs to be wiped away from everyone's mind because there's a lot of things that can go wrong when you're doing those charging decisions. And so um, the National Association of Public Defense out there is really trying hard to paint people in in a positive light and restore their dignity through the process and teach people about why uh, you're you're innocent until proven guilty. Well, thank you for sharing. We'll link that organization in the uh, description for the episode so that you all can check it out. And that concludes our fearless feature. Thanks for listening. Before we even move on at all, one thing I realized is that we forgot to say our pronouns when we introduced ourselves. So uh, my pronouns are she, her. As are mine, she and her. I just want to get started with some facts about the fearless new release because the Taylor's version debuted at 50 million streams and it's already the sixth biggest album debut by a female artist and has the biggest streaming debut for any album this year. And all 26 songs are in the Spotify top 100 with 25 being in the top 50. Which really makes me wonder what that what is the one song that is not in the top 50? It's it's really killing me, Erin. We could just look it up. I don't know what it is. Okay. And I also, I, I want to note that while the debut, um, her debut yesterday was at 50 million streams, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably going to be far surpassed that because it's going to be two weeks down the road. Yeah, that's true. Uh, how did you end up listening to the album? Was it the morning after as you were driving to work? It was actually the, um, the morning after when I was getting ready for work. Uh, I put it on Spotify and started it from the beginning, even though it was really hard for me to start it at the beginning because I knew all those hidden gems were at the end. I did want to listen to it the first time through as it as the album was supposed to be listened to. Oh, that's really impressive. I started with the new songs just because it was so late. I stayed up that night. I ended up doing a fearless pajama party online with some other Swifties who just, I guess, you know, decided to create this event so that people who don't have Swifty friends in real life can get together on the internet. And it was so fun. We sang karaoke and we did some trivia and I met a lot of people. We had breakout rooms and we just counted down until the album came out. And then I stayed up and listened to the new songs and went to sleep. That's amazing. I wish I could have done that, but... I did have um, a big trial yesterday, so I went to bed at like 9.30 and woke up at 5.30 like I usually do, and that's when I listened to it. But it sounds like I missed out on an awesome pajama party. Yeah. I thought you normally get up at 4.30. Didn't you say that last time? Well, no. I I think that that time I did get – like I just naturally woke up at 4.30, and that's why I listened to um, You All Over Me when it came out but usually i get up at actually i get up at about 5 10 because i i go to the gym at 5 30 <laughs> very specific <laughs> you're very motivated and dedicated it's that's impressive but um, i do miss out on pajama parties when i do that 
Yeah. And but it's just so hard to stay up that late. And like we said in the last episode, I know she's trying to be more inclusive for international fans, but um, we are all getting older with her. We are. And so I kind of just feel like why not release it on a Friday so we have the weekend so we're not distracted at work the next day. There has to be some sort of there has to be some reason why it's at midnight. I don't know. Maybe that's the best time for just international in general for streaming. And I'm sure it's strategic. She's very strategic. That's, yeah, she's no one can can argue with the fact that Taylor Swift is a savvy businesswoman. I think that every time a new album is released, we should have a holiday and it should be an international holiday. I mean, cheers to that. <laughs> or at least give us the weekend. You know, who do we have to uh, who do we have to petition for that? Um, <laughs> whoever is the highest power in the in the world. Uh, yeah, okay. And I guess that would be, I mean, I'm not going to go down that path. <laughs> so Morgan, before we actually talk about the song, I know I keep putting it off, but I did have a little surprise for you. Oh my goodness. Hopefully you can see it from over here. Oh, I love it. Can you see it? Let me pass it. 2020, long story short, I survived. This is awesome. So can you tell what that is by looking at it? Is it an ornament? (laughs) (laughs) It's a Christmas ornament, which means that was your Christmas present that I still have not given. (laughs) Four months later. (laughs) Thank you, Erin. It's awesome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Did you make it? No. No, definitely not. I, I got that on Etsy. Long story short, it's like one of my favorite songs from Evermore. It's a really good one, and I know that's one of your favorite songs. So well, thank was... you for knowing that about me. <laughs> Strategic <laughs> like Taylor. Oh, man. So what are your overall thoughts on the album and how it sounds and what it means for the music industry? I First of all, I think the album, like there is no reason to listen to the original album now that this album is out. Um, she She does every song the way that it was originally done, but with such a change in her vocals that you hands down it's just such a better sound it's unmistakably better her vocal quality has improved as well as i have to assume the technology has improved like just over time right so the sound for the instruments was a lot better i noticed as well yeah for sure and um she obviously she has a, a new production team so i'm sure that that was influenced on on this re, uh, re-record, and um, my gosh, like she has the best of the best at her disposable. She really like, does. Disposable. <laughs> disposable. She is not disposable. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I, yeah, there is no reason to ever listen to the old album again. Um, let's give all the all the nods to her Taylor's version of Fearless, and I think that. What's really cool about her voice being more mature is that you sort of are having that perspective with her of looking back on the albums. Mm -hmm. This was a thought that I saw on Reddit, which if you're interested, it was user ADJ1813. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out. Because Reddit, you don't really have usernames on there. But uh, I thought that was a really good way to explain it is because when you're singing those songs, when we when we were singing those songs when we were younger, um, 
we were both young when I first saw you, right? Right. We identified more with those vocals, whereas now hearing her more mature voice as a more mature audience, it just resonates that much more powerfully. I think that's a, a great note. If you don't care, I wanted to read what her original note about the album was on the very first one. Okay. Because last time we read what her note was when she announced that the new album was coming out. So uh, is this like her original liner note? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what fearless means to her? To me, fearless is not the absence of fear. It is not being completely unafraid. To me, fearless is having fears. Fearless is having doubts, lots of them. To me, fearless is living in spite of those things that scare you to death. Fearless is falling madly in love again, even though you have been hurt before. Fearless is walking into your freshman year of high school at 15. Fearless is getting back up and fighting for what you want over and over again even though every time you've tried before, you've lost. It's fearless to have faith that someday things will change. Fearless is having the courage to say goodbye to someone who only hurts you, even if you can't breathe without them. I think it's fearless to fall for your best friend, even though he's in love with someone else. And when someone apologizes to you enough times for things they'll never stop doing, I think it's fearless to stop believing them. It's fearless to say you're not sorry and walk away. I think loving someone despite what people think is fearless. I think allowing yourself to cry on the bathroom floor is fearless. Letting go is fearless. Then moving on and being all right. That's fearless too. But no matter what love throws at you, and you have to believe in love stories and Prince Charming's and Happily Ever After. That's why I write these songs, because I think love is fearless. Oh my gosh, that's just, that gave me chills. Isn't that shockingly mature? And also still shockingly relevant, even though she wrote that in 2008 with those liner notes, like that her re-records are fearless. Yeah, that's the bold thing is saying instead of allowing you to profit off of this, I'm going to take the risk of remaking all of it so that I don't have to sign an NDA, which is a non-disclosure agreement. Thank you. Um, that I am not allowed to speak about what happened when my music was sold behind my back. So rather than saying, I'm going to be silenced about this, she's saying, I'm being fearless by remaking this music. Which, you know, comes for full circle to why she chose um, this album as the first one to re-record. Not only was it the pivotal moment for her as an artist, but it was also the moment she, you know, she vocalized how, how she lived her life, and that was fearless. Yeah, and I think it's really a story of coming of age. And this album, I am really glad that she ended up picking it first. You know, it was the first album that she had as album of the year and that garnered her success. But looking back now, I remember learning a lot of these lessons along with her. Yeah, I mean, I know I said in the previous episode uh, that I didn't have the the same um, the same experience when it first came out, just because of the where I was in my life. Um, but I have to say that listening to it now, even though it's you know twelve years later, is it twelve years later? No, it's longer than 13. that. Thirteen. Thirteen years later, um, I can only. I think it hits me even harder now than it would have when I listened to it in two thousand eight. So, what was your original connection to the song? 
honestly, it was just the first song that was on the album because it was it was her fifth single, her fifth and last single on the album after Love Story, White Horse, Belong, You Belong With Me, and uh, 15. So it wasn't one that I heard outside of it just being downloaded on my Apple uh, music because I had an iPod back then. And I, I really loved it. I remember being like, oh, this is a great country music, country song. But once again, like I, I wasn't, I wasn't swept away like I am now. That's interesting because my connection with this song is really powerful because for me, Love Story, yes, I do feel an emotional connection to, but this was the first album that I went to the store to buy the week it came out. How old were you again? I think I was 16 okay. by the time it came out because it was November. Okay. Um, so I went to the store and like spent my own money to get this and then stayed up late looking through the lyric book and listening to the songs. And this was the first track on the album. And I immediately was like, wow, the narration. I think the huge lyrical growth for her between debut and fearless was the ability to transport you into a time and place. Yeah, no, I I can see that. I think I bought this, but it was one of the few that I bought because it was back when iTunes, I think maybe even iTunes still does this or no, we don't even have iTunes anymore, do we? It's just all Apple Music. But I think I remember it was back then where you could you could buy a song for 99 cents or the whole album. Mm-hmm. And I think I bought this song because it was the first one and it was what the album was called. But then I, I remember I didn't buy the entire album. When I hear this song, it just immediately to me is the album because it's the first track. And so it's it would the title always, song. Yes. And it just this is sort of what the basis for what I compare other songs on the album to for For example, when we get to vault tracks, how much they sound like a fearless song. To me, this is defining the genre, the voice of the album. I think that's a a good way of looking at it. So do you want to jump into the lyrical breakdown? Yeah. So there's something about the way the street looks when it's just rained. There's a glow off the pavement. You walk me to the car. Well, so I think it's, you know, once again, she's using rain. And I think it was last episode that we talked about you all over me. And she talks about the drying, the the rain drying off the pavement. So she obviously has some, it resonates with her when she looks at pavement and see and sees it, that it's rained. Um, and I, I, I love the visual. Like I said, when I was driving over here today, seeing the, the wet pavement immediately, you know, was was a visual when I was listening to this song. And that's a really romantic thought is just to be romanticizing the average moments of life and really appreciating them. Yeah, she loves the rain. And she then goes into saying, and I know, and you know, I want to ask you to dance right there in the middle of the parking lot. So she doesn't, she's not scared of getting wet. She's not scared of her hair getting all frizzy or her makeup running. She just, she just wants to dance in that rain. I love this intro because, like I said, it starts her narrative debut, if you will, instantly from the very first line. There's something about the way we go right into a scene and a setting and a time and a place, and you're instantly transported there. And when she says, um, I want to dance in the middle of the parking lot, it feels so high school. It really does. (laughs) It feels like, you know, hanging out in the parking lot with your friends. Right. Or going to, like, 
going to the mall for a date or something and that you have the vast parking lot and you go back out to your car and you're like, oh, no, this this night's going to end. And so you kind of want to drag out that time in the parking lot. That's once again why I had such a it didn't hit me the same way when I was um, because in 2008, like I think I was 23 and I was I was so over high school. But now I look back on it with nostalgia. And so that's why I can look at this in a completely different way as opposed to shunning it back when I was 23. Mm, That makes sense. So verse two, we're driving down the road. I wonder if you know, I'm trying so hard not to get caught up now, but you're just so cool. Run your hands through your hair, absentmindedly making me want you. It's so hard to read these lyrics without like singing them, but I, I don't think people want to listen to us. Like, No, I don't think so. As much as I would like to believe that I sound like Taylor Swift, because I definitely do in my car, um, I know that that's not true. <laughs> yeah, and I uh, one comment about just the comparison with the original version is overall in this album, she's got a lot less of a twang. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is just as she's grown up and she's moved around. But another part of it is I feel like she was putting it on a little bit thick. In, oh, for sure. When she was like, I'm a country artist. And she still maintained the same inflection of saying the words the way she did in the original version, but removed some of the overdone twang. And do you remember when I was telling you that every time I sing fearless songs, I like get really like <laughs> country twang, twang, twang. Yeah. <laughs> And I feel like now I can sing them and just sing them a bit more normally. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, I'll just go back to what I said earlier. She's always been a very savvy businesswoman, even back in 2008. If she put on a twang, her audience was the country audience. Right. And now she has a broader audience. Right. So those lyrics, but you're just so cool. Run your hands through your hair, absentmindedly making me want you. I just I love I love that vision because you you can see that boy that you or girl or whoever you were on a date with um doing some sort of act whether it's running hands through his hair her hair or running you know snapping fingers or something that's just endearing and you look and you're just like well any other person could do this i i wouldn't care but because you are it's just so cool and it's like that feeling of being really aware of everything that person is doing like this is such a first date yes vibe and absent absent-mindedly making me want you was just so well worded and this is one of the first lyrics that i fell in love with oh for sure going into the chorus and i don't know how it gets better than this you take my hand and drag me head first fearless and i don't know why but with you i dance in a storm in my best dress, fearless. I love drag me head first. I never really thought of it as being that powerful, but now re-looking at the words, it feels kind of aggressive, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> it matches the imagery I have of the album where she's always like headbanging. Mm-hmm. I, I love the placement of the word head first because... When you are on your first date or you're having these these feelings, you're obviously thinking more with your heart than your head, but she's just letting go of everything and head first, diving in wholeheartedly, and I just love that. Yeah, and I think it captures the feeling of when your emotions are overcoming everything you can think about. You're not really thinking. You're just 
pure emotion in that moment. And she's like, I don't know why, but I would do the craziest things because I'm just overtaken. Yeah, because it's not even dancing in the rain. It's dancing in a storm. Yeah, in my best dress. I mean, you go, girl. (laughs) Uh, In that picture, in the original album imagery, it's that blue dress. Mm -hmm. And I remember always looking through the pictures on that album and thinking that they look just like my friend Kristen from growing up. And I know she's listening to this. So, hey, Chris, I'm going to be in her wedding really soon. Um, but she throughout all the pictures in this album, every time I see those images, I'm like, ugh, it looks like Kristen in high school. And Did we, she have a blue dress? Uh, I'm sure. I don't know. We, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that much about her wardrobe. So baby drive slow till we run out of road in this one horse town. I want to stay right here in this passenger seat. What do you think she means by one horse town? I was going to ask you that. Oh, gosh. (laughs) We've stumped each other. I mean, what I I was like, Morgan always knows. She always has the answers. So, I mean, what a one horse town is, is like in the olden days, they just had one horse um, pulling a buggy. Yeah. Small town is what I always just immediately assumed it meant. Like how my town growing up had one red light. No, two. Two red lights, I think. Mine was much bigger. We were not a one-horse town. <laughs> you were a five-horse town? We were a suburb. <laughs> well, um, I, I think that for me, it just brings up imagery of a small town, but I I never knew exactly what the expression one-horse town meant, and you're saying that it just means... I would imagine it means small town. I mean, I guess maybe if you look at it in the context of drive slow till we run out of road in this one-horse ho- town, so basically... Um, you can ride on this road until you get to a bigger city. And so just drive slow because we don't have to go fast. We don't have to, we don't have anywhere to go. Well, that the city is, or the town is so small that you need to drive slow because if not, we're going to get through the whole town in three minutes. Yeah. The passenger seat thing comes up over and over and over. She has this imagery that we see a lot in Red and future albums of someone looking over at her and she's in the passenger seat and it just is that narrative thing where you feel like you're living her point of view when she says it that way yeah because it's even in our song it starts in ours with our song in on the debut album but it does make me wonder does she have her driver's license (laughs) at this point in time maybe not i don't know right i mean if she's always in the passenger seat (laughs) i feel like she got it when she was a bit older because everything happened so fast for her getting famous that a lot of those big moments had to wait a little bit. But But it also goes back to the imagery of, you know, she she did say in her liner notes and the theme running through this album is that, um, you know, fairy tale. And, you know, you see all those movie, those romantic comedies, you read these books, and it's usually the the male that's doing the driving. And so she's just reinforcing that imagery. Yeah. You put your eyes on me in this moment now. Capture it. Remember it. She is obsessed with capturing moments in time and preserving them. Well, I mean, she's made a career out of it. That's what she writes her songs about. (laughs) These trivial moments that no one else does takes a second glance at. She captures them and then you're you're catapulted back to those moments yourself. Exactly. Um, And then it goes back to the chorus. But then I think this bridge is my favorite part. 
Um, While you stood there with me in the doorway, my handshake, I'm not usually this way. But you pull me in and I'm a little more brave. It's the first kiss. It's flawless. Really something. It's fearless. Yeah, it's so good. She's she's the queen bridge. So, um, Morgan, was your first kiss flawless? Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) Mine either. (laughs) It's, um, I feel like when I was listening to this, I was 16 at the time and it had already happened. And I was like, well, shoot, I should have had one like Taylor. It does say it's the first kiss. So you you can question whether it's the first kiss with that individual, uh, that individual and that not person. her actual first kiss. But still, you would you would think that the first kiss with anyone would still be slightly awkward because it's the first time you've ever done it with that person. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's going to be flawless, but she makes it into a movie moment. And let's be honest, even if it wasn't flawless and it was someone that made you feel this way, it would probably still be flawless in your memory. That's true. And looking back on it. Um, but yes, this bridge is awesome because it's just so visual. You you can see her standing in this doorway about to go in. Everyone in the house is probably asleep. The lights are out and you're trying to be quiet and your hands are shaking because you're like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, are we going to kiss? Are we not going to kiss? And you're she's saying like, I'm not usually this nervous, but I have, you know, I, I'm shaking. I have these butterflies in my stomach and it just, it's just, the imagery is just perfect. Yeah, I love it. It's, this song is perfect first date. It is. It's a perfect first date song and just how we all felt. So it's relatable to a broad range of people because most people have had a first date where they felt that way. And I think it's it's great even when, you know, like me, I'm 35 years old and I can still listen to this song and and feel the energy and the excitement of being a teenager and being in this moment of the first kiss with someone. Yeah. Do you think that some of that was lost in the re-record? Because just in the original version, she's a bit more of an angsty, like spirited youth. Um, and I do think that her voice has really improved. But do you think that there's anything lost in that sense? I don't. And I think that that's what the most surprising and shocking thing with this album is. We get into more of the songs, specifically when we get into like 15 and stuff. And um and, you know, other songs that are very obviously about high school, she still pulls it off. She still pulls off the that emotion that she had when she when she first recorded her album. And I don't feel like it's juvenile. I don't I don't feel like it's fake. I, I think it's genuine. And I think um, because she's so good at that, I don't feel like the feelings that I'm feeling are fake or ingenuine. Mhm. Yeah. It does change it though. It does. What, what I mean, you tell me. I don't think anything's lost. It's just like I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like there's certain things and we'll get to them, but like for example in 15, I'll I'll let you know when we get to that episode, but there's okay. certain things that bother me a little bit. I'm interested to hear your take. Hmm, thank you. So, we want to rate the song? Yeah, let's go for it. You want to go first? I came up with a little bit more of a outline for how to rate them just because I don't want to just slap a number on there. So the categories I gave were music and sound, emotional connection, and lyrical quality. So are we rating each one? I did just so to just to help me get to that number. Like you don't have to do what I'm doing. I okay. Mean, 
So if, then why don't you go first? If I jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? I mean, I would. <laughs> <laughs> so I did uh, music and sound. I gave it a seven just because I think it's really catchy, but it's not my favorite musically. And then emotional connection, I gave it an eight because like I explained at the beginning and then lyrical quality, I gave it a five. I don't know. Why? I just, it's so hard for me to remove my perspective of knowing like what else she can do lyrically. Like, I don't think this is a weak song lyrically. I think it has some really strong lyrics, but I think even on this album, there are a lot of songs with stronger lyrical quality. Are you not going to give it a ranking with something from the So yeah, my total, I did an average of those three numbers and it came to 6.66. Uh-oh. 6.66. And I'm going to give it first kisses. Okay, so I did not break them down individually because it's really hard for my brain to do that because I look at the song very holistically. I think the music and the sound is what does it for me in this song. I think when it's the first song on the album, it's such an uplifting tune and um, and the, it just comes together so nicely. And then when you add the lyrical quality to it, I'm going to maintain that it's, it's, it's a very good lyrical quality. It's simple, but it, it tells a, a perfect story. So I'm giving it eight and a half runs of his hands through his hair oh you put chose a whole lyric there i did snipped it out um and if you didn't hear our first episode we just pick out of 10 something in this song some type of reference in this song which was um an idea i had from listening to the gilmore guys podcast which i love so much so shout out kevin if you ever listen but i know you probably won't demi hey i love you (laughs) kevin t porter so moving on, let us start our discussion on Mr. Perfectly Fine. And you can pause and go listen to it if you haven't already. I am so excited to talk about this one. Why? So I just instantly love this song. Remember when we talked about You All Over Me and you were like, I immediately connected with this song? Yes. I think that's because you typically end up loving the heartbreaking, really sad songs. It's true. <laughs> that's a Morgan vibe. Um, and I just am always gravitating more towards anything sounding a bit more pop and like upbeat. And I love the heartbreak ones too. But one of my favorite categories of Taylor Swift songs is the sort of sarcastic or spiteful songs. Okay. Um, I kind of, I love... Uh, songs that do social commentary for that reason or like lily allen if you've ever heard her uh-huh how she's constantly sarcastic i love that and this song just immediately i was like yes and and don't get me wrong i'm a very sarcastic person so i love a spoonful of sarcasm but i while i like this song it's perfectly fine <laughs> nice nice one i i did not have the same immediate reaction as you did right and that's fair like we have different tastes and it would be boring if we had the exact same taste on this podcast exactly and so i did a poll on twitter and on instagram which you can follow us there if you haven't yet um to see what first impressions were between you all over me and mr perfectly fine just to compare and also just to kind of see where people were at in comparison to morgan and i 
And the Twitter poll revealed that 87% leaned towards Mr. Perfectly Fine as the first impression, and that being the song that they preferred, first impression-wise, and then 13% for You All Over Me. Interesting. So I'm in the 13%. Uh Uh-huh. I know you're proud of that. I knew you were going to bring that up or say something about it. I'm very proud of that. (laughs) The Instagram poll was 83% for you all or excuse me mr perfectly fine and 17 percent for you all over me and i will say there were two votes for you all over me and one of them was you on your personal account morgan (laughs) sorry i just had to throw it out there i still will stand by you all over me it's fine i just thought it was funny you're part of that 17 percent you're two of the votes there um so why do you think that it leaned so heavily towards mr perfectly fine because people feel similar similarly to you about her songs or do you think it was something again about you all over me that people it didn't resonate with people i think that in general people and end up liking her upbeat songs a bit more and that's sort of why they become bigger hits than the heartbreak ones that we all love okay but i mean it doesn't really make that much sense since all too well is like her most popular and adored and loved song. But that's a fan favorite. It's not necessarily like a population favorite. I don't know. I tend to, the other songs kind of grow on me, like the sadder songs. Okay. And I have to be in the mood for them, but I love a good Taylor bop that I can just listen to at any... Oh, don't get me wrong. I love a bop. Like, Shake It Off, I will still stand by that song. Right. But I might get, I might overplay it and then get a little bit tired of it after a while and I think you're still very much in the folklore Evermore era. Yeah. And You All Over Me and some of the other slower vault songs, I think because of who produced them and her coming out of that era, they feel like kind of a transition back to Fearless, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Did this sound to you like a Fearless track? Or did it sound like a different era? I think it sounded like a different era. I don't think it sounded like a fearless track. But like I said, when I like, it's very hard for me to make these comments without without the caveat that I did not listen to fearless the way it should have been listened to when it was released in 2008. What is the way that it should have been listened to? It should have been listened to, you know, front to back. And really just the way that I listen to all of her albums now, as opposed to picking and choosing the the hit singles and the things that you the songs that you heard on the radio or the songs that you heard when you were going out or something. And those are the songs that stuck because those were the popular ones, as opposed to really taking in what the album feel was. So it's hard for me to say if this should have been on that album or not. Right. To me, this one feels like a speak now song. That's fair. Yeah. And I feel like it's a bit more pop than the rest of Fearless, but it could fit in as a bonus track. But it seems like to me that it's such a strong song that she could have included it on on Speak Now and it would have fit in perfectly, especially because that album has a lot of like spite and sarcasm. So and maybe that maybe this is a I'm getting redundant here by asking you this. But before we get into the lyrical breakdown, why do you think it's such a strong song? I think it's in the inflection of the way that she sings. It's so fun to sing to. Like it's immediately you're, (laughs) you're just having a blast. Like this is an instant karaoke hit. You just, the way that she emphasizes the words, if that makes sense. So, and I think that because, and so the music is always second to me 
I think lyrics are always first to me whenever I hear a song, whether it's Taylor Swift or another artist that I'm listening to. And for me, it, it the reason it didn't resonate as as much with me, and don't get me wrong, I jammed out to it when it was released. I listened to it on repeat because it kills me if I don't know all the lyrics by heart. So I listened to it on repeat, on repeat, but I don't think it resonated with me as much as You All Over Me and some of the other new um, From the Vault tracks because there was just not as much um, deep emotion to it. Like we've all had this person in our life um, in a relationship where it ended and the other person appeared to be perfectly fine. But the way that she's talking about it is much more shallower emotion because she's reflecting on what they're doing as opposed to how she's feeling. I see the deeper emotion in the connection to grief. Um, and I remember feeling when um, my senior year of high school, my best friend passed away. Um, and to anyone who's experienced grief, you probably recognize the emotion of being angry that other people are fine and that the world is just like moving on per usual, but you're not. And so for me, that feeling of grief of a breakup and it fueling anger and like funny sarcasm, that's the deeper meaning. Yeah. And I, and I get that. And I've, you know, that is a real emotion and a, a real emotion that has been a very consistent emotion in my life for various different times in my life. I, I think it's just maybe just doesn't resonate as much now um, as maybe it would have been back then, or just because I, you know, I'm not really thinking about this kind of um, emotion in my life right now, but it is a jammer. And I, I do love it. This song felt to me like a friend that I already knew, whereas You All Over Me felt like it was a mix of eras because it had the influence of the new producers and it doesn't feel definitively fearless or anything. It's just its own thing. And that doesn't mean I won't love it. I just need to get to know it more. Whereas with Mr. Perfectly Fine, it felt like a previous Taylor, Taylor era that I immediately felt familiar with if that makes sense yeah for sure so um the lyric video something weird that happened on that was there were comments as i was listening to it the the night that it came out which was the seventh or the day that it came out um and everyone was saying like swiftly twerking or like um perfectly finely twerking or um i missed this yeah, I was so confused about there were so many comments about something something twerking and so I started asking people what can someone please explain to me and I saw a lot of comments that were also asking like why is everyone twerking and I guess whenever she released um, whenever she released love story and you all over me people were talking about how they were like happy dancing and then immediately crying and that she had us on an emotional roller coaster so there was some type of joke made about like um, crying and twerking at the same time because you don't know how to feel. Oh, okay. So I, I just was so confused when I was listening to this lyric video and I just had to tell you about that because I was like, why is everyone twerking? What's happening? And, and that's what did fair, I miss? Because I think, so this, she released this um, after she did that big reveal with the vault, right? So we knew that there was going to be a song called Mr. Perfectly Fine. And I think in my head, I envisioned Mr. Perfectly Fine. Like I knew it was going to be 
something like this, like saying, oh, you're acting like you're perfectly fine when I'm not. And so I think in my head, I kind of had envisioned a more, um, you know, one of my favorite, like a soft, drawn out, slow heartbreaker, as opposed to this jam. Yeah. And I think that that's another reason why it's it's not the same is because I think you can, I wanted emotion, this emotion portrayed in a sad song. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Well, let's get into it. First note is that she says Mr. Perfectly Fine 27 times, which is notable because the phone call where Joe Jonas broke up with her, which everyone assumes this song is about him. Oh, it's definitely about him. Yeah. The phone call was 27 seconds. So she says it 27 times. I mean, the fact that she got out ahead of it, she definitely did like a Kanye Kim thing where she called Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas and was like, just to give you a heads up, I'm releasing this song. You're probably going to get attacked because of it. And then Sophie did the best thing possible and came out ahead of it. And now it's just laughable. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is, did you see her reaction? Yeah. She was like, it's not not a bop. Yeah. That was great. So getting on into the lyrics then, Mr. Perfect Face, Mr. Here to Stay, Mr. Looked Me in the Eye and Told Me You Would Never Go Away. That's one of those Taylor things where she says a bunch of things really quickly. And it takes me so long to be able to sing it. It kills me. <laughs> yeah, you have to learn it. It's a skill. Um, and Looked Me in the Eye and Told Me You Would Never Go Away. That's a thing that is a lyrical parallel for um, Last Kiss when she says, you told me you love me, so why did you go away? Or um, forever and always. More more that one, I think. Yeah, because it's the same era. Right. You looked me in the eye and told me you loved me. Were you just kidding? So, um, I mean, I think this lyric, like these lyrics are pretty straightforward. One thing that I just immediately got back into was what I would do during these eras, like be really concerned with like who every single song was about. And the one thing that I really like about the song Fearless is that I feel like it's not necessarily about a certain person. It could be about any first date. And I know that that was enjoyable for me at the time, but now I've gotten so used to wanting to to defend Taylor for like respecting her private life that I almost feel annoyed with myself for falling back into it. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing is that even though it's known that this was most likely written about Joe Jonas... Um, although I will say that when it says you're above me in every way, he's shorter than her. So it may not be about <laughs> Joe Jonas because he's 5'7 and she's 5'11. But even though it's, you know, she re- probably wrote this about him. I don't think about him at all when I listen to this song. And I think that that is very, um, is very telling because, you know, you, it's very hard to listen to All Too Well and not think about Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Whereas when I listen to this, it, I just am like, you're just writing this because that was an emotion you had at one time. It's not directed at anyone. Right. So the next line, everything was right. Mr. I've been waiting for you all my life. Mr. Every single day until the end, I'll, I will be by your side. This song just makes me think a lot of Forever and Always. That's maybe why I didn't make the original album they 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 thought it was too similar i thought it was because it was too pop oriented yeah okay when they wanted fearless was very carefully like a country pop a mix of the two and this one seems just more actual pop 
But when, but that was when I got to know Mr. Change of Heart. Mr. Leaves Me All Alone, I Fall Apart. It takes everything in me just to get up each day, but it's wonderful to see that you're okay. I think, I think that the line, it's take, it takes everything in me just to get up each day, but it's wonderful to see that you're okay was the first time that I was like, yes, girl, in this song. Like the rest of them are pretty self-explanatory but when you know that's that's a real emotion where you break up with someone and you just like don't want to get out of bed because you don't you don't want to go about your day because everything that you do reminds you of that person and then when you realize that that person is going about their day as if it didn't happen um it kills you it's just a kick in the stomach yeah and that's the grief feeling that i was talking about i think that that's the best line for explaining that but um it, immediately i'm like it takes everything in me not to call you it's so hard and i'm so sorry that my singing is terrible <laughs> and off key but it's so hard not to um just go down this rabbit hole of all i love that though i love the lyrical parallels it's a really good taylor tw- trait taylor twerk is what i, I thought you were gonna was, say but i will say i think it's a bit lazy how many times she uses the word heart in this song oh i how many times is it i don't know but it's like a change of heart you're breaking my heart um how's your heart after breaking mine like i mean she just says heart over and over again and it's i just i think that that also rubbed me the wrong way it just felt a little lazy but then again she did write this in 08 and there was a reason why it didn't get on this album so i can't be that critical right so going on into the chorus hello mr perfectly fine how's your heart after breaking mine I know you just said that you don't like she says heart a lot, but I think that is such a slam. How's your heart after breaking mine? Like, immediately my reaction is like, ooh, tell him. Yeah, no, and it is. It's a good It's a good zinger. Uh-huh. But it's still like, how many times do you have to use the word heart? Mr. Always at the right place at the right time, baby. What What do you think that means? I mean, I think he's just, I think it's just means that this person knows how to play it up, knows how to. Or that he's really lucky. Lucky, but also like, but also knows how to be, make himself lucky. He's well connected. Yeah. Perhaps. And so then, hello, Mr. Casually Cruel. Oh, well. Uh, There's uh, that reference. (laughs) The whole fandom immediately freaked out. And just to think, it's like we were talking about with that notebook where she has these phrases that she likes. And to me, it's really impressive to see that she had a lot of these really impressive turn of phrases that we just maybe didn't see in the earlier days. Yeah. And I remember, um, so when I listened to this, it came out at like, what was it, like 10 o'clock on a Wednesday? Yeah, so random. So I I prefer that. I do, except for the fact that I was sitting in a courtroom waiting for my case to be called, and I saw that it popped up, and I was like, oh my gosh, but I have to listen to it now, so I put it on my phone, and we were in a room next to the courtroom, so I was able to, like, like, people were talking, it wasn't, like, dead quiet, and I put it up to my ear, because I didn't obviously want everyone in the court, in the room I was in, to hear it, and I put it up to my ear, and I heard, so I wasn't looking at the lyrics when I heard it the first time, and when I heard casually cruel, I was just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a it's such an insulting thing to say and just perfectly phrased. Right. And then Mr. Everything revolves around you. Dear John, when she says long were the nights when my days once revolved around you. Once again, it really feels like this could be a speak now song. But anyways, 
I've been Miss Misery since your goodbye, and you're Mr. Perfectly Fine. I do like that she says, I'm Miss Misery. Like, she she marks him with the mister, and she takes on the miss. Yeah, it instantly made me think of Misery Business by Paramore. Do you remember that song? I don't. I'm in the business of misery. Let's take it from the top. She's got a body like an hourglass. You know. Nope. But okay. <laughs> I'm really glad that we have heard Aaron now sing and rap. <laughs> so you're you're, wel- you're welcome. Wait, what was the rapping? Was that not supposed to be rap? Oh, no, no, no. It's like rock. I just did a bad job at it, I guess. Okay, sorry. Anyway, um, Paramore, that song, I think, Better Than Revenge, I, when it came out, I was like, oh, she definitely wanted to make a bop like Paramore and was for sure influenced by her. Okay. And so when I heard Miss Misery, I instantly was like, misery business, and she must have been listening to Paramore. Uh, And then Mr. Never told me why. Mr. Never had to see me cry. So if he broke up with her on the phone, he never saw her cry and never told me why. Do you think? I mean, there's a song, Tell Me Why. You think it's this, it has to be the same person necessarily? I, I would think so. Or, I mean, there are a lot of times that you break up with someone when you're in a, a, young relationship where a lot of people just say yeah i'm done and you're yearning to know why so it could be the same person it could not be the same person but it is a very common feeling to have especially when you're a teenage girl to be like why just tell me why right and i read somewhere um i can't remember where but i read that joe did have um an apology that sort of went out that was kind of generic which I guess would be the insincere apology. Let me see if it's here. Well, we don't need to make it all about Joe. Oh, he he said phone calls on, can only last as long as the person on the other end of the line is willing to talk. Anytime you are in a relationship any length of time, there are going to be issues. Sometimes they resolve. Other times they lead to a change of heart. This was the case recently. Change, Mr. Change of Heart, like she took his exact quote. Maybe and, this is, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why this was maybe not on the album. I mean, it was too close to Like home. it was too pointed. Yeah. And one thing that we didn't talk about with this is how, you know, a lot of times fans and um, after especially Reputation were defensive of her public life and like the way um, sexism has influenced how she's been perceived and dating and relationships. but. She definitely did market this album to be like, I'm speaking now, I'm saying names. Um, I saw a MySpace post that she wrote, <laughs> take it all oh the way gosh. back, where she was like, I'm so excited for this album to come out, blah, blah, blah. And I think, uh, and don't worry, I'm definitely going to name names, but there's a song for every like life occasion on there. And I I feel like her um, her label was pressuring her to to have this angle of now that you're dating famous people, you need to talk about it because that's going to garner you more attention. I mean, it may not have even been the label though. I mean, like I said, she's a very savvy businesswoman. She probably, she probably thought of that on her own too. Until at a certain point in time, it started to kind of backfire. It did. And I think that that's why she reeled, reeled herself out of it. But at the beginning, she was still trying to make a name for herself, especially when this album was released. Yeah, and if we know anything about Taylor, it's that she's very smart, and that's uh, of enormous reason why she's gotten where she is. But um, Mr. Insincere Apology, so he doesn't look like the bad guy. 
Um, and that's that, definitely referenced than that to that apology for sure. But it also made me think of um, what's the song? Isn't it like Mad Woman? Where um, oh no, my tears ricochet. Yeah, my tears ricochet. Basically, where she's saying that you're spinning the story. Yeah, and it is interesting that this is called Taylor's version, like the whole album, because this is her version of the story and her saying that I'm putting out these vault tracks. Like this is my side of the story, and that's important to her. Is like a huge Taylor aspect is being able to reclaim her narrative. Yes. And this is the biggest and best way she's ever done it is by remaking this album, Taylor's version, reclaiming the narrative. Um, Second for me is reputation. That was that was great. But we'll um, get there. (laughs) He goes about his day, forgets he ever even heard my name. Well, I thought you might be different than the rest. I guess you're all the same. That does seem have a bit of a defeatist attitude there. Like she has given up on all men because of this guy. Right. And I think she had had some heartbreaks prior to this but this person had convinced her that they were the one and that they were different well definitely different because i hear he's got his arm around a brand new girl Ooh, i've been picking up my heart he's been picking up her there's heart again mm-hmm. I, I know you don't like that <laughs> but i just think it's such a slam um and i never got past what you put me through but it's wonderful to see that it never phased you. So deep lyrical analysis. I saw um, a Reddit post about this person was like an unnecessary, um, <laughs> basically unnecessary deep dive into the word phase and why she spelled it with a PH instead of an F. Did you notice that? I thought it was, I just thought phase was spelled P-H-A-S-E. Like well, there's a different out. There's a different version of the word with an F, F A Z E D, which is like to be disturbed. Okay. Or bothered. And phased is like more implying there are phases. Yeah. So maybe that this person didn't have as much growth from the relationship, that they just moved on to the next thing and that they're acting the same or doing the same things with that person. But it's not necessarily that it phased them like it disturbed them it's more like it never changed you that's interesting i mean i did notice the different spelling um because i looked at the lyrics after and the lyrics that were up on lyric genius i think said spelt it with an f first Mm -hmm. and then the lyric video though spells it with a ph yeah it's for sure intentional yeah and that's one of those it could be one of those subtle changes that she made where she was like i just want to improve this and to her that meant something to change that um so then the chorus goes through again we don't need to do that again but it's so fun to sing and then the last verse so dignified in your well-pressed suit so strategized all eyes on you sashay away to your seat it's the best seat in the best room it's the best seat in the best room it's so fun to sing um really are that is a legit reference to something that ha- that is a reference to something that actually happened. It was the Teen Choice Awards, and um, at that time, the Jonas Brothers were nominated for seven awards. This was like two thousand eight, and they won seven out of seven awards. So this whole story where she says he he always wore those suits. If you look at pictures of 
um, the Jonas Brothers in 2008. But um, so dignified in your well-pressed suit, so strategized, all eyes on you. They sat together at like, I I think at that ceremony or it might have been a different one. But that strategy could have been getting attention by dating Taylor. Mm. And then um, it's the best seat in the best room. You know, she's talking about the award show. Oh, he's so smug. Mr. Always wins so far, so far above me in every sense. So far above feeling anything. So Mr. Always wins is all those awards. And then far above me, I think it is like haughty as well as he at that time was more famous or seemingly more famous. Yeah. Once again, I think I just talked for a long time. I'm sorry. That's okay. I just I just I like this song. I just think some of the lyrics are a little bit lazy, but I'm just going to leave it at that. I love you, Taylor. But the fun of it at this time, if it had been released at that time, would have been all of those references to real life moments that now you kind of forget. And I've it's been wild for me to be transported back into like drama and things that happened in 2008. And I and I think that that's why it, it's another reason why it's maybe not as doesn't resonate with me is because I wasn't paying attention to that drama in 2008. Right. And it's really such a shame. It's such a shame because I was Miss Here to Stay. And now I'm go- I'm Miss Gonna Be All Right Someday. I do like that. <laughs> and someday maybe you'll miss me. But by then you'll be Mr. Too Late. Which is a theme that she's talked about in several songs as well, like you miss your time. And then the last thing I think that's important to talk about is just Mr. Perfectly, goodbye, Mr. Perfectly Fine. It is. I do like that as a great switch. Taylor's got that switch down and you know how I feel about her little wordplay switches in all of her songs. And when she says goodbye, that does give me like the chills because it's like the the crescendo and the music. Yeah. And then it's goodbye. like, Goodbye. <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah, she does that thing where it comes full story or full circle. So you want to rate it? Yes. Um, I gave music and sound a nine on this one just because it's such a jam and it didn't have to grow on me and it felt like a friend. And then emotional connection, I gave it a seven just because of all the references to 2008 and I felt like I was transported back into time. And I do feel like I can sort of identify with a previous relationship or like remember feeling that way about somebody being super smug and haughty. And then lyrical quality, I gave it a seven. Um, but maybe I should bring it down because of what you said. No, you shouldn't change it. That's <laughs> okay. why we did them before. Remember? Right, right. So the the average for those numbers comes to you ready for it? I'm ready. 7.6 repeating. Do you want me to read those sixes? I don't. It's (laughs) unnecessary. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, um, there's at least three of them. I will say that. Taylor, what what are you doing to me? And so you round that up. I give it an eight out of ten. And I guess I'd say eight out of ten well-pressed suits. Okay. So like I said, I'm not going to do each individual one, but I think I've made my opinions pretty clear. While I still love this song and I'd listen to it over – a lot of other songs um, by other artists. I'm going to give it five sachets. <laughs> nice. <laughs> five out of ten. That's pretty low, but it's it's cool. It is. I gave some of them lower, too. And, you know, we're just going to have different opinions on that's what makes it interesting. Right. So moving on into Tell Me Why, or theories section, 
Miss Lindsay Marie, who is at All Too Well Dior on Twitter, had a theory that was actually featured in an article on Pop Buzz that the tweet announcing releasing the Vault songs, you remember when she was like, um, 2020, I'm just like moved on from the drama. Yes. And then 2008 me is like screaming to release these songs. In a goblin voice. Yeah, <laughs> which was like oddly specific. Was it goblin or gremlin? I can't remember. I think gremlin maybe. Maybe, okay. Um, And so she said release perfectly fine. And she said as many eyes are I, 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 from I know places. Interesting. So she was like, this is proof that 1989 is going to be released next. I mean, that's a that's a very deep, deep Easter egg, if that's the case. But Taylor does do that kind of stuff. Like, I'm just now putting together that there was a tweet I was genuinely trying to decode because sometimes I just wait until smarter Swifties figure it out. Uh, but there was one I was trying to decode and it was when she did like one of the Willow witch versions and she randomly capitalized 15 letters. And I was trying to make words out of it and just couldn't figure it out. And I think recently I thought about it and maybe it was just a reference to 15. And oh. that, you know, that fearless would be coming soon. Because I don't think at that point in time we knew. Did we know when Willow was released? Did we know that Fearless was coming out? Yeah, because didn't we know about the Match.com love story at that point? She do- The point is she does do that kind of stuff, and it's very intentional. And it's like we used to get the lyric books, and there would be clues in there. So for her to do it in like the lyric videos and in tweets makes sense. And then the next theory is from Taylor Throwbacks, which are at Throwback Taylor on Twitter. Who said that the letters that are lowered or off center in Hey Steven, I don't know if you all noticed that. That's the lyric video for that. They add up to 70. There's 70 total letters that are off kilter. And that 70 days from the fearless release date is June 18th. Okay. And the word kiss also lights up, which makes you think of last kiss, as well as at 158 in the song, Hey Steven. The word light lights up. And if you remember the lyric in um, Last Kiss, it's... Uh, Lit through the darkness. At 158, exactly. So that would be the release date. It's just they took 70 letters and that it would be 70 days. Is Last Kiss on 1989, though? It, it's Speak Now, but I think they're just saying that's the release date for Speak Now. So the release date for 1989 would be something else. Okay, gotcha. They're just saying since she's referencing Speak Now there, that that would be the release date. We'll see. We'll find out if Taylor Throwbacks is right in time. All right. So that's a wrap on Tell Me Why or Theories. And we're going to move on into Taylor Trivia. I have a fun surprise for you today, Morgan. You are just full of them. (laughs) Yeah. It's not another Christmas present, though. Damn um, it. <laughs> sorry. You just got the one. Um, I just have questions for you for the listeners to get to know your Taylor preferences and thoughts a little bit better and to help them get to know you a little better. Okay. Good thing you're not trivia. You're not quizzing me, though, because... No. <laughs> she just knocked her glasses against the microphone. <laughs> we'll, cu- we'll cut that out. We're going to cut this out. Right, Morgan? Okay. Yeah. 
So anyways, what did you just ask me? I was just, I'm thankful that you're not quizzing me on trivia because I'm pretty sure I would upset all of the Swifties. Yeah, no, it's not like that. And I'm not very good at that kind of stuff either. Um, So it's just personal questions. And the first one is, what's your favorite tour look? I think Reputation was my favorite tour look. I think she just looked uh, more like herself there. Mm, Which that's definitely when she... Um, gained some weight back and was not struggling with the eating disorder and looked a lot more healthy for sure. Yeah. And she looked so happy. She did. I loved her look on Reputation Tour. All right. Next question. What is your favorite Taylor Day look era, if that makes sense? Like the outfit she would wear during the day? Probably red. Like the autumn autumnal looks yeah and a lot of like those dresses with the little collars and heads was a big thing remember and the peacoats and the scarves and the hats hats. do you feel you love the fedora i did all right next question is what's your current favorite taylor song and i say current because it's really hard to pick an all-time favorite it is and it it can change every day but i think my current all-time favorite taylor song is Oh, my goodness. Um, Probably still My Tears Ricochet. You still listen to that regularly? I do. And what is your current favorite lyric? I think I'll just have to pull it from My Tears Ricochet when um, she says, you used to tell me when I'd fight, I was brave. Yeah, when I fight, you used to tell me I was brave. Yeah, when I fight, you used to tell me I was brave. Yeah, is it really your favorite if you flipped it? Like I said... If it was playing, I could nail it. It's okay. I I do that too. All right. Well, thank you for playing Taylor Trivia with me. Thank you for asking me those questions. Did you have a good time? I did. They did stump me a little bit, though. Mm -hmm. That was the point. All right. So moving on into We'll Write Your Name, which is plugs. We have some exciting things happening where if you're listening to this, it is currently the last day of our giveaway that we were running on Instagram where we had some really cute merch that we offered and so we wanted to write the names of the Etsy shop owners who sponsored our giveaway um so the first one is mad woman wear and their stuff is absolutely amazing they provided two coffee mugs one says taylor's version on it and it has like graphics and designs of all the different albums coming together. It's really cool. And then the other one says, um, I had a marvelous time, or she had a marvelous time ruining everything, which is amazing. And then she also provided a sweatshirt that said Folklore and Evermore. And I have to say her designs for clothing are so good. Oh, compared to, sorry, I don't want to do I really want to throw Taylor under the bus here? No, I mean, I don't know that she necessarily designs all those clothes, right? TaylorSwift.com is like still targeting 13-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, that's how it feels. And everything is like giant pictures of her face or right. her name. And- or crop tops. And I'm sorry, I've had three kids. I'm not about to wear a crop top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Mad Woman Wear, you should check them out on Etsy and Instagram. They have really cute stuff and their designs are really... Uh, artistic and beautiful the next person who sponsored us or shop owner is luli's handmade goods and that's l-u-l-i-s luli's handmade goods they're on etsy and instagram as well and they provided a coaster 
and a candle. And they make the candles and decide the scents to be like matching with a song, which I think is super cool. I'm fine with my spite, my beer, and my candles. My tears. My, my tears, tears, my beers, and my candles. That's exactly right. I, that's perfect reason to make candles. And I know they recently started making those little wax melts so that you can like sample a scent. But it'd be interesting to see all the different scents. I wish I could like smell all of them and see what the songs smell like. I think that's a cool idea. It is a very cool idea. As well as their coasters are, I don't know how they're made because I just don't know this, but they're really like translucent and sparkly and they'll have a quote from a song on it. Okay. And they're really pretty. And she always posts a little video where you can see them glimmering in the light. But you all should check out Luli's Handmade Goods and Mad Woman Wear. And to both of you, thank you so much for sponsoring us for this giveaway. We'll be announcing the winners like today or tomorrow. So if you're listening to this, you'll find out soon. Just a reminder to uh, rate and review our podcast if you have made it all the way through. Please follow us on social media. We have an Instagram, a Twitter, and a TikTok. And our handle is at Swifterhood Podcast. And you can also send us theories or questions or comments to swifterhoodpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. See you. Bye. Bye.